No, there's this alcohol, the, the homemade alcohol, okay. uh, traditional beer, yeah. in the big buckets inside. Okay. And these people are not really staying here. So the guy who's staying in there is selling alcohol to them. Look at them, they're drunk. And the biggest problem is I think that the people don't trust the government. Yeah. We must be honest about that. South Africa has been in lockdown for over 50 days. And one thing is clear, people want their basic freedoms back. So while the announcement of the lockdown level four was initially met by cheers, it has unintentionally made the lockdown a lot harder to govern. Fluctuating laws and regulations have seen a pushback from the country's citizens. In today's episode, we follow SANDF soldiers into Alex as they try to uphold the newly established curfew. We also speak to those pushing back against lockdown regulations that they see as unjust and impractical. This short podcast series follows Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record and reflect on the real events and people that make up SA's biggest COVID-19 news stories. For Boots on the Ground, Behind SA's national lockdown, I am Zama Lutuli. Graham shadowed SANDF forces in Alex as they attempted to uphold the curfew set in place by Level 4 lockdown regulations. We've gathered at Alex Mall in Alexandra Township, along with the South African National Defence Force, Metro Police, SAPS, National Traffic Police. And under lockdown level four regulations, there's a curfew in the country from eight o'clock at night to five o'clock in the morning. Soldiers, along with other law enforcement officials, have been tasked to enforce this lockdown. So tonight we're going to be on the patrol with them through Alex and a couple of Johannesburg's other townships and surrounding areas. There's about 150 soldiers we're here, busy forming up as as I speak, and yeah, we're going to see what see what happens. Colin Corsa. This is the name of the Alexandra resident who was beaten to death by SANDF soldiers. Since the passing of Mr. Corsa, SANDF troops still police the area, but they try to do so with a greater sense of compassion. Brigadier General Dobi Kutsia, commanding officer of the SANDF's COVID-19 operations in Gauteng, says that they will continue to do their job in the area, but hope to win back the hearts and minds of the residents. There are 15.4 million people in Gauteng, 264 registered informal settlements, 600 unregistered. 8.5 million people in Gauteng, might not eat tonight, uh, living in informal settlements. Food distribution is not sufficient. Mm. They've only handed out 93,000 food parcels in the last three months. There are 8 million hungry people. So why are we patrolling Alex in the heat map of Gauteng? Uh, Alex is seen as, it used to be Santon because they came from overseas, but the disease has jumped the highway. Mm. So Alex is a... Uh, and we want to try to contain it in Alex. So Alex is quiet during the day for Alex. 
but it is busy in terms of what we are expecting of lockdown. And I think if the, even the police have realized you cannot arrest every person on the street in Alex every day. Mm. Because they, you open your bedroom door, you are in the street. That's your backyard. Mm. For many people, that's their backyard. So to arrest them for being there is harsh. Mm. Worst of all, they get a criminal record. So if lockdown is over and the poor people want to go back to finding jobs, guess what? You arrive with a 10-year criminal record. which mm. put you out of the workplace again. Mm. And that's the poorest of the poor. So the people that need the jobs the most are suffering because mm. they couldn't maintain the, back, the, the lockdown. So it's a tug of war. But I think the nation is ready for a phase three, but not for a phase five again. Yeah. We're beyond that now. Yeah. We'll see the, in the day. There's no going back yet. Mm. If you have to move to eat, yeah, you have no to. regulation is going to keep you at home. Uh, what is happening within the street, continuous feedback, it will happen. So it, it will uh, on as such. So wherever somebody is having a contact or what, something is happening, I'll let the other group... As SANDF troops are being briefed and deployed, Graham spots Alex community leaders who have agreed to help SANDF soldiers patrol their area in the hopes of bringing about a more peaceful and understanding form of governance to Alex. Community leader Simon Sekitla explains why they have agreed to help SANDF patrol their local community. Simon, seeing the soldiers here tonight enforcing the curfew, I mean, we, we saw at the beginning of the lockdown some really horrible images on social media yes. happening, but it seems that the SANDF is really trying to win the hearts and minds of the residents here. How much of a difference have you seen between what initial lockdown phase five and what's happening now? Well, uh, with, with the, the army, and let me just start by saying the army that was deployed in LX, of course, LX on its own is just a different place. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a difficult place in terms of enforcing the law because of what I always refer to as unavoidable challenges because of the way we have settled here. It is just so many of us. We are cramped in small spaces and all of that. But had we not have had this army and the police in the first place, the situation could have been worse, like way, 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 way worse. So uh, having the army and the police here, it has made a huge difference in terms mm. of the infections that we had in Houghton and obviously Alexander. Simon, at this, you're a group of community leaders. Yeah, we're a group of community leaders. Basically, we're just a group of volunteers. We are doing this just for free for the, our community. And, and what do you call this operation? That you it do? is called Operation Stay at Home. Okay. So the whole point of us forming this group was just to go onto the streets and talk to our people as normal citizens, people who live with them day by day uh, on a daily basis to say, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't need to fight these people who are here to make sure that we adhere to the rules. Mm. We, we, we just want to share the message in all the languages that are spoken in this township okay. so that they can understand that there is an enemy that is here and that is a virus, it's invincible. We need to do the following, this and this and this and this. So that is why we formed this. For the most part, Graham was shocked at how quiet the streets of Alex were. So we had to be walking through some parts of Alexia during the day. I would never drive through some of these areas. But now walking here at night, the streets are absolutely deserted. There's not a soul in sight, I think. In the last two, three hours, maybe seen 
three people, two cars. It's just like an absolute ghost town. Graham spoke to several SANDF officials, all of which pointed out that the circumstances around overcrowding and poverty in Alex forced many residents to break lockdown regulations and that it remained one of their toughest challenges. But soldiers have adopted a much more compassionate approach to dealing with people in these rough circumstances. So while on patrol here, the SNDF across the country have been deployed with small UAV and drones. While on patrol in Alexandra, I came across an area here in in Alex as uh, a group of men uh, look like waste pickers. Um, they're busy keeping themselves warm over a fire. And while I'm patrolling the street here, we're in I think it's 18th Street, the UAV alerted fire radio comms to our little grouping that these guys were here. The SNDF is now briefing them and saying they need to get indoors, they need to get off the street, and they need to stay safe. In the background, you can hear the, the UAV. It sounds like a swarm of angry bees, but it's proving it to be an incredibly useful tool as a force multiplier for the, for the troops on the ground. Like in all areas, Alex also has its chance takers. South Africans who flout lockdown regulations to party, visit family and friends, and recapture the freedoms we took for granted before the COVID-19 crisis. So we just received word now that there's a small stadium area nearby where we are now. It's about 60 people currently having a massive party there. So the SNDF, among the law enforcement and community members are gonna go and knock on their door and tell them to go back home. Hopefully they listen. So we've seem to have found the location of the party. Soldiers are busy taking up positions around the perimeter. You can go. yeah, 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 Alcohol is going to be confiscated. Okay. Police are being called. If you don't stay here, come outside. Is that not you want to be? Is that not you want to be? Is that not you want to be? You see, they're having a party here as well. We, we, we see. What are you talking about? 
So they are drinking, they're not adhering to the rules of this lockdown, they're just next to each other, no one is wearing a mask, there's no sanitizer, it is just like this. Yeah. So would you call the police now? I, I don't know what to do, I, I really don't know. I think the, the soldiers can decide what, what needs to be done. Visiting, home-based gatherings, parties and drinking, things that used to be the norm are now prohibited. But some South Africans are thumbing their noses at these new restrictions. No, there's, there's alcohol, the, the homemade alcohol, okay. uh, traditional beer, yeah. in the big buckets inside okay. there, and these people are not even staying here. So the guy who's staying in there is selling alcohol to them. Look at them, they're drunk. Now, what's what's my the police are now being called um, along with uh, senior army commanders um, they're going to be doing a intense search of other shacks where we are now um, people are busy a lot of women here are busy crying all of them are clearly drunk there's some kids here young as 14 15 have been drinking as well the guy here who owns the shack um, is known to to brew his own local brew which he's been selling to people in the area so what's going to happen now? I'm waiting for Kyoto Mugoga. Then we will we'll quickly, we'll quickly deliberate on, on this on this issue. So this alcohol is either we do not throw it away, yeah. and then we go disperse this member. But we should we should really caution them in a very serious manner. Yeah, because there's not allowed for people to host parties now. No, it's not. Because you can see it's over 90 people in one shack, in mm. one room, in a small room. Mm. So the community leaders are now questioning the shack while the kids were here and while they were being allowed to drink alcohol. Mm. Blatant flouting of lockdown regulations makes compassionate enforcement very difficult for SANDF soldiers who now need to strike a balance between protecting citizens from themselves and acting with understanding and compassion. After a short break, we are going to look into the ban of tobacco products and the proposed centralization of food parcel distribution. <laughs> but you see, like you can't beat the diesel. Though. I'll take the petrol over the diesel any day. <laughs> Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course have a cargument or two. That's Cargumentative only on Times Live Motoring. And now, back to our story. 
cigarettes, vapes, shisha pipes, and other tobacco products have not been available for legal purchase since lockdown began on the 27th of March. The ban hasn't stopped smokers from purchasing these products, of course. Instead, the illegal trade of cigarettes and other tobacco products has begun to boom. What is clear is that if you are willing to pay, you can still find cigarettes on the black market. Graham spoke to Sinan Mguni, chairman of the Fair Trade Independent Tobacco Association, which represents independent tobacco producers in South Africa. The association is taking government to court over the ban. Nguni holds that the ramifications of the ban of the tobacco products are far-reaching. We try to engage government on that basis and also the, the impact on smokers, particularly psychologically, um, due to the effects of nicotine withdrawal. Um, we also highlighted the jobs that the industry along the value chain generated. We then also highlight the burden on the criminal justice system because people would be... Um, Dawi Root, a well-respected economist at Efficient Group, also outlined the impact the ban is having on the local economy. And I think what is happening now is that if you take out legal traders, you are creating this an amazing, wonderful opportunity for the illegal guys to establish their businesses. And once we're out of this lockdown or lockout, then, um, then of course, it's going to be very difficult, much more difficult to get rid of these illegal guys. This is actually an opportunity for them to establish their businesses, the illegal guys, properly. And in the meantime, the, the state is losing really billions of rands um, in terms of the so-called sin taxes. But that's not only that. Of course, the economy is slowing down. We're talking about the economy growing or contracting by 10% or more this year. Um, and, uh, and in the meantime, because of that, state revenue, I'm not only talking about the, the sin taxes, but many other kinds of state revenue, particularly the, the big ones, like, for example, personal income taxes and value-added taxes and corporate taxes, those collections are under tremendous pressure. Um, and it's quite possible that we can see a total tax collection, a total revenue of the state 
collecting around about 25% less than original budgeted for in the budget of the Minister of Finance. And that's only two, three months ago. Fitter says that they plan to continue with their legal action against the ban on cigarette and tobacco product sales. They say that there has been very little clarity on whether the ban will be lifted when parts of the country go into level three lockdown. Meanwhile, government has upheld the ban on the basis of health concerns. But as one of only three countries worldwide to have banned tobacco products, South Africa is considered to have one of the strictest lockdown regimes in the world. What is clear is that lockdown conditions are acting to heighten issues South Africa faced before the crisis. In the case of tobacco products, the black market is now thriving. In the case of charitable giving and food parcels, South Africa is facing off with an old foe, corruption. I was focusing on the calls to centralize food aid by the Department of Social Development. Uh, basically what they want is for, you know, anybody really collecting food aid and, and delivering it to, to the needy. They want those uh, food donations to go directly to a, a kind of central um, station, which uh, then would be collected by the department and uh, shipped off to where it was needed. So, you know, uh, during this week, We've already had uh, uh, over a million rands worth of food parcels just kind of disappear. Uh, we've also had, um, there was a viral video showing uh, the uh, Mpumalanga Legislature Deputy Speaker receiving parcels which were allegedly um, being brought to his home by a uh, Department of Social Development truck. So that was also a bit interesting and uh, other in, in NGOs and NPOs are saying um, well just look at what they did with SASA this week you know it was a, a flipping disaster let's be honest um, they'd already pushed back the grant recipients uh, receiving their grants by about six days so um, as we said in last week's uh, podcast um, you know those poor households already have to now wait six extra days and um, and then what happened was that the system crashed. So uh, a lot of them waited a lot longer than six days uh, to receive their aid. Alex spoke to a variety of NGOs, all of which were adamant that the government does not have the capacity to get aid where it is mostly needed. And more importantly, they do not have the trust that the donations given by community members will find their way to those in need. In short, South Africa's NGOs are concerned that the centralization of aid will lead to a case of robbing the poor to feed the rich. Mervyn Abraham's Peter Marisburg Economic Justice and Dignity Program Coordinator explains the concerns of NGOs You know, a kind of an NGO or a church group or a business, of course, cannot feed, cannot meet the demand of the need. 
And so we've seen in many parts of the countries where there have been absolutely long queues, but they're only able to provide for half or even less of those. And so then the problem does become who gets, who does not. So uh, uh, post-centralizing it does have important um, an important value in terms of distributing and ensuring that everybody gets. But then, if the department is going to take on that role, it must also commit. You see, it's, it's, it's one thing saying, yes, fine, we will take it. It's another thing ensuring that those who need the food actually get it. And we have seen, we have seen absolute levels of incompetence on the part of, of social development in rolling out, for instance, the SASA grant system. And so, so while it is in principle a very good idea, we would require social development to really step up and they must get rid of this incompetence that, that we have seen elsewhere. Otherwise it might actually be better just for ordinary church groups or NGOs to hand it out. Representatives of NGOs around the country, including Helping Hands, Unity Philanthropy, and several others have raised reservations about government's proposed centralization initiative. Here are some of their concerns. I think the idea is a solid one, but having said that, I think there, there are issues around it in terms of their capacity to do it. Not only that we can play that charities like us can play a role in the last mile of distributing the food, it's also that we've got an ability to understand how to appeal to the community that we are, are, are known in and get more money for food. One central point of distributing is impossible. Mm. Um, it's too much. They don't have the capacity. And the bigger problem is I think that the people don't trust the government. Yeah. We must be honest yeah. about people that. People are not confident that are they going to see where their food went and, and, and I want it in my area. The reality is it should be a collaborative effort. This is the, the, the primary objective is feeding people and keeping people from starving. And the more people that can be involved in that process um, is going to be, the results will be stronger. All the NGOs Alex spoke to are happy and eager to collaborate with the government, but they are more than a little hesitant to hand over thousands of rands worth of aid without being able to ensure that they reach the most needy in our communities. As regulations shift, confirmed cases spike and deaths slowly mount, South Africans find themselves in a brave new world. The country is in a state of uncertainty with regulations shifting faster than journalists can type. Here at Multimedia Live, we can't shake the feeling that whatever choices the country makes today will shape the face of South Africa going forward. We all ask our listeners to make responsible decisions moving forward. For Boots on the Ground, Behind Essay's National Lockdown, a product of Multimedia Live, I am Zama Lutuli. You are listening to Boots on the Ground, 
behind SA's national lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samar Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by Paige Muller. Production by Multimedia Head Scott Peter Smith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.